Earwig Review, episode 16. Last week, I did an experiment and recorded some video for the podcast, for the YouTube channel. And I wasn't sure if it was going to work, so I just kind of quietly did it. And I thought it worked out. So I put it on YouTube. It's there. And I'm doing it again this week. So you can go over to YouTube and and check that out. Um, the link, as usual, go to www.joshualbarski.com. J-O-S-H-U-A. H-I-L-L-E-L-B-A-R-S-K-Y dot com. Find the YouTube channel and take a look. So, I just finished um, recording Herman's Jail. That's um, somewhere between a... I'd probably call... You could call that a novella. It's about a 30,000 word... Uh, story finished recording it not the first time I've recorded it um, but did it all over again and um, wasn't perfect the recording's pretty pretty good and you might notice even on this podcast there's a little setting they put in to the the Apple OS that you can click and it does uh, isolation mode I thought, for whatever reason, a I didn't I didn't know it was there, but I I didn't think I could isolate the fan. For the previous listeners, know famously the fan in the background that I used to keep the house, keep the room quiet from the house. We got dogs, people coming in and out, all of the chaos of the world, and the fan has always been my way of um, you know putting eggshells all over the walls. However, people usually do that. Um, Eggshells, I mean, egg cartons. Um, And this isolation mode, it just picks out that background noise. It isolates the fan, and then it's just voice. So that's truly very exciting Um, and a relief, frankly. So I recorded the first half of Herman's Jail and then discovered that setting and then had to record the whole thing the first half again and then the rest but now i have it and um next week and the week after i won't be in i'll be in israel for a honeymoon for a one-year anniversary honeymoon so i'm gonna put herman's jail on the podcast next week and the week after it's a three hour um story so i'll do a 90 minute one next week and 90 minutes the week after so it'll be a little different but i'm uh i hope you'll enjoy it i hope you'll check it out and um when i come back in if this is 16 17 18 episode 19 i'll be back and i'll have a lot of posts to catch up on It'll be the six posts of this week, the six of the next week, 12, 
and the sixth of the week after 18. And I'd have to look at a calendar because I think two there might even be six more so there's going to be a ton of posts so i'll figure out how to catch up with that maybe i'll do an extra long post episode on 19 um and then on 20 we'll go back to to usual um so anyway lots lots of fun stuff um i've also put in some extra hours this week got to the end of excuse me um the end of part one of the blue nile the story i've been reading i think for the last three weeks already on on the show here so for those familiar i've gotten i go i'll go a little longer today with it and get to a natural kind of um what i think is a natural kind of and place to pause um that I'm, I'm actually quite happy with so we'll get to that afterward um and that's um that's the housekeeping now that's what's going on otherwise um i think i'll get pretty pretty much into the post this week um which let's we'll see how i figure it out but I think that these posts in particular are going to be all over the place and weird, but I'm usually wrong with um, how, how these things go down. One thing that was so strange that happened on Friday on my way, I was on the subway and I was sitting and reading a book on the subway and, you know, whatever, going down the stops. And this kid taps me on the shoulder. I'd say this kid is probably like 11, let's say. And, and he says, are you Jewish? I was like, uh-huh. Um, and, you know, he's got the whole, he's got the sideburns. He's got the hat. Um, He's the real, the real Orthodox thing, Hasidic Orthodox, um, some, some sector of it. And he, and, you know, I don't, he's going down the subway aisles looking for Jews, presumably, so they can do mitzvahs, essentially. Um, he's like, do you want to put on tefillin? Which, um, you know, if you ever see these kind of long, pieces of string coming off of someone's um or maybe their tzitzit tefillin is the the scarf <laughs> he asked me to put this this shit on and i'm like i don't know if this is the if this is the time i don't know if i'm, I'm i said no said, no i'm not gonna put on tefillin right now he says okay um even in synagogue which you know i don't know if that's really somehow it seems like those kind of rituals well i'm not opposed to them uh under the right circumstance it's not really what what i didn't say yes especially on the subway what is it because i'm uh embarrassed to be a jew not at all it's more just like 
man, like, is this just not the time on the subway? Um, but, um, he's like, fine, that's okay. And then he says, will you do some sadaka, which me, and he shows me a, his little kind of a piggy bank can, you know, a little charity box. And he, and he holds up a nickel. I said, okay. So I take the nickel and I put it in the jar there. Now I've just donated to a charity. I, it cost me no effort. He provided the nickel and the jar and, uh, and it was done. He said, great. And then he said, Shabbat Shalom. And then his little buddy, who's even younger than him, um, he, uh, hands me this piece of paper that goes the Chaim newsletter. Um, and, uh, this is the December 9th weekly, uh, newsletter. And it says the weekly publication for every Jewish person uh, dedicated to the memory of Rebetzin Chaya Mushka Schneerson, which is the Rebbe. Um, this guy here. Can we see him? There we go. And uh, I read a book called about this guy called Rebbe a couple of years ago, and it was awesome. It was fascinating. I think this guy is so cool. And so these guys are his followers, and uh, and that's awesome. So I didn't read the piece of paper, but um the real one of the takeaways i think is the fact that this kid's going down the subway looking for jews and he sees me and he's like you must be a jew and uh and he was right i don't know if he was it didn't look to me like he was tapping everyone on the shoulder um asking such a question uh so long shot and wow he was right so that was uh that was fun and I suppose in the, um, you know, this adding this YouTube dimension, the video dimension to the, uh, to the podcast, um, this week and last week, you know, you think about how you look, what does your face look like and, um, how people see you and often you want to hide, right? Um, and it's easy to kind of get carried away with that stuff and think like, oh, is my hair, am I too bald? Did I not trim my face? My beard is all messed up and whatever. Um, and the more comfortable I think I can get, the less I give a shit, the more I just maybe have, roll the camera and have it going um, and get comfortable in my own skin, um, the better. It's something I think is like, it's, a, it's feels, uh, nerve wracking to do and, um, therefore should probably do it. So I'm hoping to just get more and more comfortable with, with that process. Um, and if people, um, whatever, whatever, it, it feels like it opens myself up to more, um, I don't know if criticism or judgment or whatever the word is, but I know that when I listen to a lot of podcasts, I like to see the video side. It just allows me to kind of, I don't know, tap into it a bit more and, and I'll just kind of check out a few seconds or minutes of the video and whatever. So something I wanted to check out and I suppose thinking about the overall, um, the overall world of it um is what it is 
I know I talked about Herman's Jail already, but I wanted to give myself um, a, how do you say, a pat on the back um, because I, while I can see how much improvement, how much better it could be, I suppose, or like things I would change if I was to do it again and um, recognizing like what I want to do better for the next stuff. And already I think how I've grown just from writing it and moving on to the next thing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and, and also reading it out loud. I'm such an advocate for, it just helps you see it in a new light in a more clear way. So it's not perfect, but the fact I didn't think maybe a few months ago that I would be capable for whatever reason of recording an audiobook, having to perform the whole thing i remember writing books before and i'm like maybe i guess i could do it myself to do an audiobook version but i kind of just chickened out or thought that i wasn't my voice was not like i didn't have the training or like the acting or whatever all the technicalities i just didn't do it and now after practicing through this podcast and um and just I don't know, doing these recordings, it's like, now I can just do it. And I, and I, um, even that long story, 30,000 words, which it's only about three hours. That's a short audiobook, obviously, but, um, but I still did it. And I feel, I do feel proud of myself, um, that I pulled that off and, and I did it mostly alone. Like that's like a one man, like recording it, sorry, writing it editing it, recording it, mixing it, putting it out, all that kind of stuff. Um, so th I feel like that's, um, that's very, very exciting. And I, and I just want to continue. So, you know, the way that this video should, I hope to get as comfortable doing this kind of stuff as I would with the, how the audiobooks and the podcast have been. Okay, let's get into the posts. And then We'll read the Blue Nile. Um, okay, December 4th, we have one called Georgia. I once wrote about someone who was sitting on the toilet and they got launched upwards and knocked their head on the ceiling. Today, I wondered if that could happen to someone who was sitting on a chair if they accidentally shit their pants to such an extent that they got launched upwards and knocked their head on the ceiling. Unfortunately, it isn't outside the realm of possibility. Unfortunately, I know someone it happened to. Her name was Georgia. She was just sitting on a chair, looking at her cell phone. She tried to pass what seemed like a small fart, but then she shit her pants so violently that she was launched upward and slammed her head on the ceiling. I'm glad there wasn't a fan there. I'm glad she didn't get decapitated. I'm glad that she is only suffering a mild concussion. She cried a lot after it happened, but she'll be okay. Truly, it was a difficult day. I found it hard to focus afterward, but I still got some reading done after dinner. I respect the decision to try to sneak a fart but know the risk, know what can happen. 
Let me read that last three sentences again. I respect the decision to sneak a fart. Know the risk. Know what can happen. Um, I thought there was more to it, um, but it ended. And I think when I was writing it too, I think I was like, I want it to go farther, but somehow I think I wrote some more stuff and might have deleted it or something. This is the kind of post that... Um, is very fucking stupid obviously but sometimes you just get you have these you, it's almost like uh i wouldn't go as far to call it an obsession but you get these kind of ideas of like um th they just need a home of like this idea that if someone like had an explosive enough blast out of their ass would they could they be propelled upward and to such an extent that not only they get propelled above the ground, maybe five feet, six feet, they also hit their head on the ceiling and and end up being concussed and getting a, a grave, not quite grave, but potentially grave injury. And um, what do you do with that that thought when you know that it's... Uh, your your brain comes up with these the stupidest uh, scenarios, um, but you can't just go hey and walk over to your buddy, like hey, <laughs> hey man, uh, imagine someone like thought they were trying to sneak a fart, but basically their butt exploded and they flew up and knocked their head on the ceiling and then you know they have to be hospitalized and you know yeah sure maybe you could between the ages of zero and i don't know even like 14 or something like even in high school it's like hey like you should have outgrown that by now but uh yeah i didn't apparently is that because uh i repress i don't know if even then i think i still had this uh, if you could call it a sense of humor i think would even be a stretch but definitely was was always there but is it because i repressed those thoughts in some way when i was young that now they they need a home to be expressed or is it that they never go away and some people remain idiots um, like myself for their entire lives and um, never really get bored of coming up with these scenarios? Um, but uh, what can I say? I had to do it and now it's done. And I think I've written, as it says in the top, I once wrote about someone who was sitting on the toilet and they got launched upward and knocked their head on the ceiling. Yes, I think I've written this scenario once before. That's the scary thing. Is that this isn't the first time I've I thought of it again. And um, still, I'm still thinking about this, this whole thing. But, okay, here's my defense, I suppose. If you were, if you saw it in a cartoon, that'd be funny. It would. 
objectively it would be funny <laughs> like anyone who saw that and that didn't laugh would be wrong like it, it's that actually is a funny thing to happen if you saw it in real life like uh still in a movie but if they you know use the right stunt they could kind of wire the uh do the wire stunt and some cg and whatever and if you saw that happen it would also be hilarious probably even more funny in if they did a real realistic version of it with with an actor hilarious um so i guess i'm just not wrong truly i'm not wrong and this is this is what it is so it's a great story i can't hide from it december 6th no december 5th the brand muffin let's check it out this is a good one i think the muffin does not give a single fuck fuck you world the muffin says he stands in the gutter for days with his middle fingers held upwards his good he stands in the gutter for days with his middle fingers held upwards cars honk at him and splash puddles in his face i'm, I'm having to fix some pronoun issues here but the muffin does not give a single fuck he's a brand muffin that was tossed out of a truck window two weeks ago. He has a bite taken out of his head, but still, he is persevering. When squirrels come and try to eat his head, he goes into the gutter, same with the pigeons. Damn what I wouldn't do for a goddamn cup of coffee, the muffin said. So tomorrow, he's going to go back to the coffee shop and see if he can get a cup. There's a strange sadness that he lives with. He tries to weather it, but it can be difficult. Some days are better than others. You never know when it will hit. But tomorrow, he'll get that cup. He will risk it all for one last cup. Because that is who he is. And he does not give a single fuck. There was a time where, for whatever reason, I was I refrained from using any swear words uh, in all of the posts. Probably for the, at least, the I think, probably 600 and 50 or something uh, this is now we're in the 700s but it was only more recently where i just lifted the uh lifted that and let it go and it was entirely a um result of doing the podcast and um noticing how um much i enjoy swearing and using those kind of words to describe stuff and then just said well I should probably just integrate it into the posts too, because who am I kidding? Um, and I feel like this week, the by and large, um, it, um, let's see how far we can push that stuff. Totally juvenile. This is a week, this week is a completely juvenile week of posts. I was also doing the Herman's Jail 
audiobook, which is a juvenile story. It's about a time. It's about being um, eleven or twelve years old, around that that era. So it's a little superstitious. Now you can see I'm drawing these connections, um, but this weird coincidence that this little kid, this little Jewish kid, came up to me and on the subway, as I was saying, right, and he's like about the age of the the character, the Herman character. And uh, it's just kind of like, huh, that's, it's, I'm not trying to make some uh, claim that it's more than a random coincidence, but my, my point of view of my brain creates the pattern, right? It's, it, it makes that out of thin air based on what's going on. So anyway, that was in my mind, but, but also as the posts are going in the week, I'm, I feel like I'm in that kind of zone of like making weird uh fart jokes and saying fuck a lot and you know being in that zone and uh i think i'll eternally be that person i'll always i'll never grow out of it in most ways um it seems that that's that's the case but also this week still you know i was talking about it last week but at my teaching gig at work I'm kind of still like it's mostly sorted out nothing actually is sorted out at all it just like went nowhere and now I'll just basically do whatever the fuck I want because the admin just didn't um, you know basically just stopped responding to my proposals and emails of how I wanted to tweak the future courses etc um, but it kind of put me into this weird um zone where it was like my feelings were hurt like i people would say like oh don't take it personally you know if the admin is more or less inept but of course i don't take it personally but it just i just do uh maybe that's a me thing maybe um i have every right to take it personally when um you know it just feels that way but i think that maybe the the two as this being my outlet uh at the end of the day you know as a result of trying to manage the the admin and the the things that go on there so i think this whole muffin bit brand muffin story is entirely just a kind of an a, a, an exercise in anger management towards you know a school system uh that you can't really manage and uh angst etc nothing too complicated there and i think there's also this theme inside of it um where is it fuck you world the muffin says he stands in the gutter for days with his middle fingers held upwards cars honk at him and splash puddles in his face but the muffin does not give a single fuck he's a brown muffin that was tossed out of a truck window two weeks ago he has a bite taken out of his head but still he is persevering when squirrels come 
and try to eat his head he goes into the gutter same with pigeons damn what i wouldn't do for a goddamn cup of coffee the muffin said so tomorrow he's going to go back to the coffee shop and see if he can get a cup there's a strange sadness that he lives with but he tries to weather it can be difficult some days are better than others you never know when it will hit but tomorrow he will get that cup he will risk it all for one last cup because that is who he is and that and he does not give a single fuck this whole notion of caring what other people think over here there's and then there's what people think oh look at you on the subway <laughs> even as a completely positive uh oh look he's one of us let's get him to do a mitzvah so we can basically do our homework and you know go home and have shabbat in the evening um you know but still, it's what people think of you. That's completely as a kind of an external thing. And trying to work harder at truly letting go in every way, shape, or form of what people think of you. When you're reading your crazy, absurd, childish poems on... Uh, on your podcast and breaking them down it helps i'm i feel like every time i do this i give slightly less of a fuck um i get more and more used to it of this whole notion of what people think and you get tested and this was um and, you, and when you get tested really and you feel the rejection or you feel you know, people disagreeing with you. It's it's a lot easier said than done. Um, but I'm, I still got a lot of work to do. Let's read a story called Paul's Custom T-Shirt. Paul um, was my old friend who passed away a couple years ago. Um, and for those of you who tune into to Herman's Jail, you'll see... Um, it is very much most of the book. There's a character, um, that shares his name. That's by and large, uh, based off of him in, in a lot of certain ways, trying to kind of, um, process his passing. Um, and, uh, yeah, I suppose it's uh it's on my mind um uh, as i kind of process that that audiobook um and just find a place for all this stuff it's called paul's custom t-shirt i've written an entire page and deleted it i don't do that i don't often do that but it seemed appropriate today the ego wants to be cement but no one cares about the road, if that means anything useful. A stray dog runs across the road and disappears into the grass. His owner is dead, and now he is running. Meanwhile, everything else is merely a screensaver. If the mouse never moves, it will go on forever. I suppose it is good to think of these scenes 
and let them exist on their own merit. It is not for the ego. It is because I'm feeling better having written the page and not deleting it. I'm thinking of my old buddy, Paul, who once got a t custom t-shirt made. It said, narcs are fuckers in massive letters. I don't know what reminded me of that t-shirt. It just occurred to me, seemingly out of nowhere. Um, okay, let me break this down a bit. I've written an entire page and deleted it. I don't often do that, but it seemed appropriate today. Um, great. The ego wants to be cement, but no one cares about the road. When I read that, it felt very, um, like, cringy to read on my end. Very much like, like, something about, like, trying to say something about the ego. <laughs> trying to be, like, trying to say something, like, it was, like, smart. Uh, it just feels like... What are you trying to prove? What do you think you know, I guess? Um, and, uh, you know, spouting wisdom. Uh, it feels kind of, it feels cheap. But I, and I, I think when I wrote that, I knew it too, but I've some, but I wanted to go with it. I feel like I was trying to say something. The ego wants to be cement, but no one cares about the road if that means anything useful. And I think this is just continuing to explore further what caring about what other people think um, and really trying to understand what that sentence, what that phrase, what, is all, what it's all about. To, to, to care so much that it debilitates you from doing the things that... Um, that you, I don't want to use the word want, but what you feel like you and need is too strong and wants not and wants is too frivolous, but something in the middle, you know, the things that you have to do. Why don't we put it that way? The things that if you don't do, um, you don't feel like yourself and the things that start to lead to, you know, uh, doom scrolling on your phone, um, excessive shopping, doing too many drugs, drinking too much, um, any kind of compulsive behavior that seems to sprout up when you deviate too much from what some would call your calling. The ego wants to be cement, but no one cares about the road, if that means anything useful. A stray dog runs across the road and disappears into the grass. His owner is dead, and now he is running. We, my mother-in-law took in uh, a new dog, so we have a new dog in the house. Um, starting yesterday so he's been coming to visit 
and um, his owner passed away. I think this was, and there's there's he's very cute, small, uh, excitable dog. But sometimes I look at him and it's it's very sad. Uh, the whole scenario um, that his his owner uh, passed. So, and there he just barked. I don't know if, let's see how well those microphones actually work with this little, little setting here. Straight drop runs across the road and disappears into the grass. His owner is dead and now he is running. Meanwhile, everything else is merely a screensaver. If the mouse never moves, it will go on forever. I suppose it is good to think of these scenes and let them exist on their own merit. So I think still kind of just um, second guessing the impulse to to write fiction. That's one thing uh, I think I was going on about it um, to my wife for like, you know, likely too long um, when we were walking today. And I wanted to, I feel like I'm always trying to figure out what the merit of fiction writing is. What's the point? Is it just a waste of time? Is it kind of a dumb hobby? Um, what's the value? And and I think um, one of my next goals is to really try to make some sense of that really come to some conclusions as to like maybe not come to conclusions because that's sounds like a fool's errand but like to find some resolution or some peace with um with it on my own in my own way because i think that's something that's holding me back a lot is that i'll write and spend all this time making these stories but then i do this thing where i start breaking it down and be like well what's the fucking point this is not food it's not shelter it's not procreation it's um we could probably go without it um and 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 then trying to assign value to it for my own um survival right career etc and then also um, understanding the value of it and how much stories, movies, TV shows, books, communicating through through all this kind of stuff, how much that um, can mean to to anyone, obviously. But I I get hung up in the details, so I'm just looking at these words. I suppose it's good to think of these scenes. And to let them exist on their own merit it is not for the ego. It is because I am feeling better having written the page and not deleting it. Good enough, right? I'm listening to the dogs. I'm thinking of my old buddy Paul, who once got a custom t-shirt made. It said, narcs are fuckers in massive letters, um, which is true. <laughs> it was like when all of a sudden you could go down into these shops and they would have um, a custom, 
you could just write whatever and that's what i think we used to say that at age 20 or something um because we were doing drugs all the time um and it was just funny for some reason to have that shirt and then you know he would be um we would be doing whatever we'd be doing <laughs> it's just drawing so much attention to ourselves um in such a way i think there was something about the irony of it just the loud it was like you understand like the letters on the shirt were like huge they were like as big as the shirt could be and it was probably like the largest shirt they had um black shirt with giant white letters and you could see it from a mile away it's like <laughs> it was so dumb anyway um it seems like um going back into my youth was was a big point of last week and that's good now let's see what this one's all about this is the next post it's called you idiots go fuck yourselves <laughs> okay i'm trying to think of how i've been doing the past few days i'm feeling some stress about bullshit some insecurity that i can't quite figure out i'm not sure how to describe it i'm sitting here trying to figure it out i haven't gotten to the bottom of it and it's making me act like an asshole sometimes it is difficult to relax i would say that it's on the left side on my upper chest maybe there's an electric heater there that needs to get shut off any insecurity i have i would like to kill that is probably impossible but i will kill the thought of it not with understanding or by nurturing it i will kill it by getting it to fuck off i want to be confident more than i want people to like me it seems that becoming comfortable with people not liking you is a good thing so i suppose i need to laugh in the face of the people that don't like me and thank them for giving me confidence you idiots go fuck yourselves and there you go this is more or less the uh the grand thesis of i think what what this week's posts were building towards and uh somehow this one feels like uh the most sophisticated one <laughs> okay let me read it again i think it's quite straightforward but i just wanted to look at it closely as usual i'm trying to think of how i've been doing the past few days because yes so i'm this week in the state of generally despite this the silliness of those posts i think i was actually like in more or less i don't know if i would say bad mood but like yeah okay fine bad mood just kind of like quiet and not really wanting to have fun and stressing about getting everything done before whatever and uh, and knowing that but not being able to just turn the switch and just be just let it go so here we are i'm trying to think of how i've been doing the past few days i'm feeling some stress about bullshit that's right 
some insecurity that I can't quite figure out. I'm unsure how to describe it. I'm sitting here trying to figure it out. I haven't gotten to the bottom of it, and it's making me act like an asshole. It's all very straightforward. Very true. Sometimes it is difficult to relax. I would say that it's on the left side on my upper chest. Maybe there's an electric heater there that needs to get shut off. And any insecurity I have, I would like to kill. That is probably impossible, but I will kill the thought of it. Not with understanding or by nurturing it. I will kill it by getting it the fuck off. Basically, trying and sometimes we learn that we're supposed to be kind and easy on ourselves and to process our feelings. But other times, maybe it's good to maybe bold underline to just let it go and just fucking you know beat it down and and be aggressive um and just not waste the the focus and the time dealing with the your feelings that way just like you know um toughing it out Maybe the the kind of nurturing gentleness isn't always the way to go. Maybe it is. Uh, hard to say, definitively. I want to be confident more than I want people to like me. I feel like that's a uh, that's a kind of a big statement. I want to be confident more than I want people to like me. Yeah. I think that when I was younger, and probably most people, I don't know if that's true. But I think for me, I think I wanted people to like me. And I was less concerned about my confidence. I think it was the reverse and a big switch that I had to go through, especially through my 20s. Was that worrying taking the emphasis off of people liking you and realizing that that didn't necessarily get me anywhere. When it, when the, the way to, to that, I think of it was, I was getting there was through insecurity or let me rephrase that. That, that that didn't that's not how it works trying to get people to like you to mitigate your insecurity is not going to work that will you'll just amplify the insecurity right gaining confidence in yourself however you do that is what's most important if you're confident, it seems that people then truly either like you or not. The decision, then the, the, the opinions exist maybe even more so. I think that's one thing I've had to, I've been understanding more 
uh, lately. So it's like having your confidence and understanding that and being able to kind of understand that first and foremost. In order to get there for me in my life to gain to gain confidence, I had to change and I had to I lost a lot of friends and a lot of relationships and a lot of it seemed like I had to kind of it all broke down and a lot of it didn't really come back. Um, some stayed, but a lot most of the relationships, it almost seems like um, a lot of them. And this all has to do with my sobriety was kind of the, the main catalyst that was when it all kind of started was like um getting sober long process and then magically looking up and be like wait why now all my friends why do I, why did i lose all my friends in the last like six months <laughs> that and that seemed very obvious comically so but then it's like holy shit now i'm sober and maybe a few people lasted but like lifelong friends for whatever reason like for whatever reason yeah i for, because i changed and i basically had to become an asshole in order to gain my figure out who i was this is how it would work for me um and then having that as the new baseline and then building up from there slowly gaining confidence over years and years and years since then i want to be confident more than i want people to like me it seems that becoming comfortable with people not liking you is a good thing think of anyone you look up to um and tell me that that isn't true about them really So I suppose I need to laugh in the face of the people that don't like me and thank them for giving me confidence. You idiots, go fuck yourselves. Cool. All right, we got next up, ass spiders. Ass spiders. Okay. I was at the doctor's office in the waiting room looking at photos of my wife and my cat. She gave me a tetanus shot and said that I might feel a bit strange. And now I am feeling a bit strange. <laughs> I thought of a spider spinning a web out of someone's ass and landing in the toilet. I could blame the tetanus shot but the truth, obviously, is that I would have thought of that anyway. I don't need a tetanus shot to think of a spider spinning a web out someone's ass. That's just what happens when I look at a toilet. I've always meant to bring this up. Is it bad to piss on someone else's piss? I hate when that happens. When some idiot didn't flush the urinal and you don't want to touch the handle and you have to piss badly but looking but looking at those pictures i felt grateful 
That's the best family I could have ever dreamed of. There were a lot of times I was pretty sure I wouldn't get that figured out. Next week, we're going on our honeymoon. We've been married for almost a year now. It's going to be hard to be away from our cat, but he'll be okay with my mom-in-law and two dogs and another cat. It will be okay. He will sit with them by the fireplace, and if he sees any ass spiders, he will kill them dead. Um, yeah, pretty, um, pretty personal. It's fucking personal uh, piece of writing there. And I think it's like, okay, at the doctor's office, looking at the photos, da da da, get the tetanus shot. So it's like, it's kind of like real life stuff. And then it's, you can see the um looking at the photos so having that kind of like heartfelt feeling and then it deviates and it goes certain about ass spiders urinals just like dumb fucking kid jokes da, 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 da. and then it reverts back to the sentiment and i say clearly what i mean but looking at those pictures i felt grateful that's the best family i could have ever dreamed of there were a lot of times i was pretty sure i wouldn't get that figured out what am i talking about exactly what i was going on about in the last post being getting sober being feeling um being alone in and feeling more alone than I'd ever felt in my life through that process. That's where that basically leads, um, which, you know, I think makes pretty easy sense. And I can remember no, having to come to terms as much as I could with like, listen, this might be it. You might, there's no guarantee that you'll not, that this will ever end, that this, you might have to deal with being alone forever. Some people do. Why would you think that you would um, be able to get out of that? It simply just might be the case. It's a roll of the dice in a way. Trying to understand how it's, it's a nihilistic viewpoint, I think, learning the and how insecure that can be yes everything could be random but with confidence you can say look i want to meet someone um i want to have some kind of family one day you can figure that out and i was able to um but i think i thought for a long time that I wouldn't get there. And um, in trying to express that real emotion, I do this thing where I start making fucking talking about ass spiders and urinals. <laughs> and it's like, you know, it seems often that I'm able to talk about more kind of a, uh, whatever emotionally potent things 
but I can see when my writings reflected back to me that I'm really not, I avoid it like I would accuse anyone else of. When you, when you get closer to a feeling that feels hyper real to you, I don't know if hyper real is, is it the most descriptive term, but something that's uh, overwhelming or emotional, you try to hide it, you try to pack it away and put it somewhere else. And I think a lot of this process is about trying to um, confront that stuff and get closer to it um, and break it down and just go farther, go farther with it. And uh, yeah, it is what it is. All right. Now the last post of the week, enough work. It can be difficult to relax, but sometimes it can be done if you can do enough work. Maybe enough isn't the answer. Maybe it's finding out how to do work that is fulfilling. That's a tough thing to sort out, but every once in a while, I feel like it lands. Every once in a while, I catch a good one. Today, I did okay. It wasn't perfect, but I think I did all right. And all right is pretty good, all things considered. It's kind of a decent end to the the week there. This I, I knew from before, I knew this week was going to be weird, but damn, this one, this week is, as a whole, it feels like um, so... Um, too much, man. <laughs> I want to like hide myself. I think I ex I overexposed myself in in these ones. I feel a little too. I let it all out. Um. Whatever, it happened, and uh, and that's that. Enough work. Yeah, I think a lot of the time I'm in the I'm general most times I'm in a state where I'm like, I got to write more words, I got to do more, I got to more, 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 more. And I'll eventually I'll do enough that um, that I don't know, it's just, it's a kind of a weird workaholic greed type um, mindset on condition almost. And I think at the end of this week, despite what it may seem from, from those posts, I actually finishing this part of the Blue Nile, finishing the recording of Herman's Jail, those were really kind of big, um, fulfilling milestones to get done. Um, and uh, so I was, I felt good. I was like, hey, you know, this week I actually got a lot done and I feel, I feel accomplished, but it's, those are few and far between is what this post is, is really about. A lot of the time, no matter how, if I write as much as possible, I worked as hard as possible until my head's just like melted and all this stuff. And it's just like, not, it's not enough. It just feels like, yeah, but you're not even close to being where you should be, et cetera, et cetera. And just kind of dealing with all of that, that talk. But this week, I, uh, I feel like I got there. 
I feel like I, it was good. So I was trying to just kind of take a moment and, um, enjoy it, not enjoy it, but just kind of realize like when it, it's like, you don't need to pretend like you don't feel, feel good about what you did this week that you maybe did enough work. Cause I think when I was younger, a lot of the time, not even when I was younger, still, if I notice, I feel that way. I'm like, you idiot. Don't, don't let yourself, um, think that you've accomplished enough. Like you got to do more, 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 more. Um, and always trying to push yourself harder than, than you would have. Um, but yeah, I think, uh, I think that's good. And, and I think realizing an ongoing issue about perfectionism, I don't, I just don't know the years I've spent trying to make things perfect seem to be lost years. Um, whereas the years I've spent, for instance, this year, as the year is coming to an end, was a year I spent putting things, finishing things, and trying to share them. The balance between finishing things, moving on, and perfectionism, you don't want to go too far into either direction, obviously. Um, but too much perfectionism means you never finish anything. You go crazy and it's like, no one gives a shit about masterpieces. <laughs> you know, <laughs> they do obviously, but they, I think good projects kind of happen in retrospect. A lot of the time, do the best, put in the effort you can, the best you can. And sometimes it, it works and sometimes it doesn't. Herman's jail, um, I gave it my all and I felt really good about it while I was going, but I could, I always felt the deficit. Now I can see the deficit, but still I got to just like, I got to own it and put it out and do, do another one next time. I, we can't get there without putting it out. But I think a few years ago, I would have just like, ah, it's not perfect. I can see what's wrong with it. I'm not even going to, I'm going to trash it and try again next time or keep editing it until it's fucking you know, perfect. And it just doesn't do anything. Um, so, you know, you can decide when it's good enough and, and that's fine is what I'm trying to say. And I think that's kind of the, the wonder of using the internet, I suppose it's become extremely apparent that you can put stuff out and with enough, with such frequency that literally did not exist in the past, that ability to basically drown things out. Um, and it's the consistency of putting things out is the fun part. And something that I've really enjoyed in these past few months, especially 
maybe it's more suited to uh my temperament um and just kind of a healthier mindset in certain ways anyway i feel like that's uh that was kind of a good round of posts even though they kind of fucking sucked in certain ways okay let me read this is going to be the next parts of the blue nile before we we call it <clears throat> he dreamt he was trapped in a flesh asshole water slide and there was a needle punctured through his belly he woke up with the sun in his eyes he blinked and saw the color of his eyelids was asshole he had three messages from vanessa lol oh my god gym class is lame as fuck gym teacher has a whistle Igor looked out the window towards the pizza restaurant. The prostitute wasn't there. He was distracted by another message from Vanessa. Lol, gym class is fucked. He wrote back, Hey, do you want to hang out at some point? She didn't respond for 10 minutes. He went to the pizza restaurant and bought a slice of pepperoni. He covered it in hot sauce and sat by the window facing the direction the prostitute always did. It was a direct angle on the bank. He watched a man take money from the ATM. He understood now why she didn't pay attention to him. While he ate his pizza, he saw a white armored van parked outside of the bank. A guard got out and pushed a dolly into the bank. The driver waited, idling. He looked at his cell phone as he waited. Igor held the crust and stopped chewing. Eventually, the guard came out of the bank. The dolly was loaded with bags of money. He pushed it back to the truck and loaded the bags of money. Igor's phone rang. It was Alex. He answered it as the armored truck drove away. Yo, man. Yo. You good? Yeah, man. You? You good for another round this evening? Uh, can I get back to you? I can find someone else. Shit. Uh, yeah, I'll do it. I'm good. You in or not, dude? I'm in. Yeah, fuck. And dude... Yeah. Don't get anal probed in the meantime, know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I don't want to hear you fuck the raccoon. I didn't. Okay, bro, but remind me to tell you what happened last night. It was fucked, dude. Shit. Yeah, man. Igor walked through Chinatown. He looked at the roasted ducks that hung in the windows. He thought about Vanessa obsessively. It felt like there was a vice grip tightening around his brain. He went into a bakery and thought of buying a sesame ball. It was difficult to decide which one was best. He stared at them until Vanessa texted him. Sorry, gym teacher is so evil, lol. He was telling me he would take my phone. I'm like, dude, what? There's a field party tonight if you want to come. He stood on the street corner and stared at the messages until finally he responded. I have to work for a bit but can come after. Cool. He put his phone back into his pocket and pushed his head trying to alleviate the pressure. Eventually the clouds dispersed and some fierce rays of sun beat onto him. He went into another discount electronics store. For the most part, it was shittier than the other one he went to, but they had more products. 
He looked at the computer monitors they, they that they had. If Vanessa came over, he wanted to have a good screen that she would be impressed by. There were a lot. There were a series of TVs that all played a video of a cheetah running in slow motion. He tried to discern the difference between them. He looked at the external monitors. They were smaller, but his gut feeling was that it might be a better idea. He stood there for a long time. His thoughts spiraled. Yo, what time are you open, Tell? What? What time do you close? Six. Fuck, eh? Excuse me? Nothing. He still had another hour before Alex was going to meet him. He went back to the bakery and drank a coffee and ate a pineapple bun. He took a piss and then ordered two sesame balls and a bowl of fish soup. Afterward, he felt an overwhelming regret that he hadn't ordered ginger beef. Alex was pissed off when he arrived. Igor followed him through the traffic. They walked in silence for a while. Yo, what about that thing you were going to tell me? What? You said on the phone that you were going to tell me something. Yeah, I don't know, man. Fuck. Did you go to the club? Yeah, man. Was it sick? It was fucked, man. What happened? I had a fucking threesome, dog. Oh, shit. Yeah, with these two chicks. Fuck, eh? Yeah, hold on. Alex walked off the sidewalk and vomited behind a newspaper box. Fuck, man. I feel like I need to jack off right now thinking about it. Damn. Yeah, man, I was so fucking wasted. One of them was like a chick with a mustache and no tits. And the other one was like, I don't know if she just gave birth or something, man. But her like, I don't know, man. They were lesbos? Bro, they slammed my nuts with a mallet, dude. They fucking, you remember that movie Alien with the face hugger thing? Yeah, that was like my entire fucking reality for 45 minutes while getting my nuts slammed. Shit. Yeah, hold on. He walked off and vomited again. When he vomited, Igor silently farted. He smelled it right away. Yeah, man, those chicks were massive fudge packers. Nice. Igor looked at his phone to see if Vanessa texted him. She hadn't. When they passed by the parking lot, there was no one working, and there was a barricade at the entrance. Hey. <laughs> hey, you got a good monitor, man? What? Like, for your computer. Dude, I don't fucking know, man. Man, I was thinking of buying a new monitor for when this chick comes over. Dude, focus, man. Sorry. You remember all that shit you gotta do? Yeah. You remember about the engine? Yeah. You shut it off. You shut it off, I'll melt your dick into a Lego strap-on. Igor was nervous. Igor was nervous and his stomach bubbled. He tried to get his farts out without completely shitting himself before they went inside. When Carlo opened the door, Igor looked at his cell phone again. Alex punched him for being distracted. They walked past the rows of shipping containers and Igor tried to hold in his next fart. He let it go when they went around one of the corners, thinking it would get lost. Alex punched him harder. You fucking bitch. Yo, shut the fuck up. Igor's thoughts still obsessed over Vanessa. He checked his phone and then farted again. Carlo turned and looked at him. What the fuck, bitch? Dude, nothing. Control your fucking ass, bitch. If you open your ass a single time in this fucking truck, I will fucking kill you. Do you understand me? Carlo opened the shipping container. 
Alex used the device to start the truck. Igor drove out of the shipping yard. He laughed and sped along the freeway. He got a message from Vanessa. Lol, fuck. He didn't know what she meant, but when he looked at the message, he saw that the gas gauge was empty. Fuck. He called Alex, but he didn't answer. God damn it. He still had a ways to go before he got to the garage. He pulled into the gas station. He left the engine running. He filled the tank until the gas station attendant came out. What the fuck are you doing, man? Igor looked at him. Man, turn off your fucking car, man. Yo, it's all good, man. The attendant came, came after him. Igor got back into the truck and tried to drive off without taking the nozzle out of the tank. It jerked back and then hit the pavement. Igor sped down the road. The gas cap dangled off the wire. When he dropped the truck off, the guy asked why the, the gas tank was open. Igor told him that it was like that when he picked it up. They gave him, the guy gave him the money and he left without saying anything. He texted Vanessa. You still around? Yes, please come, dude. It sucks. He went into a fast food restaurant on the way there to take a dump. He sat and wrote to Alex. All good, man. Couldn't come to the club. Had to meet a chick. He watched Alex's texting dots disappear. Uh, he watched Alex's texting dots appear, but then they disappeared. He waited for them to come back, but they didn't. He wiped his ass and then texted Vanessa. Okay, be there in a bit. He walked to the field that Vanessa told him to. There were a lot of people there. They were all much younger than him. Most of them were clustered around a fire pit. He saw Vanessa talking to some guy in an army jacket. The guy was reading off a piece of paper. He looked un she looked uncomfortable. She answered the phone and walked away from him. Igor looked at his phone. The screen was blank. He walked towards Vanessa. She paced in circles. When she saw him, she stopped pacing and waved. She saw that she was he saw that she was shy, but still she gestured for him to stand near her while she finished the phone call. After she hung up, she hugged him awkwardly. Hey, hey, what's up? I messaged you for a sec, but then I saw you. Cool, yeah, sorry. All good. They were quiet. She looked nervous, but then smiled. How did the job go? It was all right. You? Oh, I wasn't working. Right. She smiled again. He looked embarrassed. They were quiet. See that guy in the green jacket? Yeah. Stage five clinger. He good? Dude, like, you kept talking to me. He told me he's in my biology class. I'm like, okay. Right. He's like, can I read you my lyrics? And I was like, what? Shit. Yeah. So he's reading me these lyrics he wrote for like his imaginary band or something. And I'm like, whatever, dude. Right. My phone rang and I was like, thank fuck. But like, how fucked is that? For sure. They stood awkwardly. She waited for him to respond. He didn't. It made her nervous. What do you think of this party? Everyone's in like high school. I mean, lol, obviously, but like, yeah, so lame. Do you want to take off? Oh, like get some food? Um, okay, yeah, that'd be cool. She looked back at all the people. Some of the guys were running full speed towards the fire pit. They jumped over it, except for one guy whose foot got caught. He skid into the dirt. 
They sat in a booth. He noticed her eyes were bulgy and her face was bony and triangular in a way he thought was unusual. She ordered chicken tenders and a milkshake and he ordered a steak sandwich. They were nervous and ate their food slowly. I'm like, fuck it, basically. Totally. You never went? No. Would you ever? I don't know. Like, my sister is pretty into it. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What does she study? She's gonna... She's gonna be a doctor, like an OB. What's that? For delivering babies and stuff. Oh, so she's, like, smart. Yeah, I don't know. She's got this, like, a thing with her professor. Oh. I don't know. Are they, like, in love? I guess. Scandalous. Yeah, my mom told me. I don't know. I mean, we don't really talk. You and your sister? Yeah. Right. I mean, fuck, man. If I had a sister, that'd be sick. I always wanted a sister. You got a brother or something? Nah, it's just me and my dad. That sounds alright. Does it? Yeah. I mean, I guess. I love my dad. Like, most everyone I know hates their dad, but I don't hate him at all. What about your mom? What about her? Is she around? No, she's a bitch. Vanessa laughed. Igor smiled. She went on her cell phone. Igor sipped coffee. She stayed on her phone until the bill came. She insisted they split it. She went to the washroom for a long time. When she came back out, she was still typing on her phone. He stood with her until the bus came. Somehow the world looked differently to him. He felt elated. It seemed that his suffering, the burning tapeworm that infected him, had eased somewhat. Vanessa lit up. Yo. He looked at her. I think I just got a job. Shit, eh? This guy I met, like, two days ago. He needs, like, an assistant. Damn. Yeah. He's been texting me like crazy. I met him at that fundraiser. He was, like, trying to get me to valet his car. He didn't understand that I wasn't a valet. It was fucked. But, like, he's obsessed with this woman that was there. Her dad is, like, the fifth richest guy in... in the fifth richest guy ever or something. Like... And he's like asking me for dating advice. And I'm like, dude, I'm in high school, bro. And he's like, whatever. So now he wants to open a restaurant to impress her because he knows she likes restaurants. But I'm like, okay, who doesn't like restaurants, bro? So anyway, he wants me to meet him and help him find a space to build it in. I'm like, how much money do you have to just like do some shit like that? So he offered me a job. Do you think that's weird? What? Like, is it weird to be his assistant? Like, he already sent me some money to, like, text with him and help him. But he's like, I need you full time. And then I'd be on salary, I guess. Damn, eh? Yeah, I mean, and then I could quit the parking lot. Like, seriously. Igor held the money in his pocket that he got from the truck. The bus came from around the corner. Hey, do you want me to get you a cab or, like, walk you home? Oh, no, that's okay. I, I like taking the bus. Okay. I had a good time. He nodded. I like you. He nodded. I'll text you. Okay. She gave him a hug and got onto the bus. He watched it drive off. On the walk home, his thoughts felt more slow than usual. He remembered his dream and blinking through the asshole tone of his eyelids, and despite getting to see Vanessa again, he longed to return to his dream. It was more ordinary there, suffering in the asshole womb. In the morning, Igor sat at his mother's kitchen table. She served him egg salad and pickles. She went on and on about his sister. She said that unlike her, 
He was strong and responsible. His sister was only going into debt, chasing an impossible dream. Meanwhile, he brought her money and worked. She said that his sister wouldn't be able to survive without them. Every time he gave her the money, he thought it would ease her worries, but it didn't seem possible. While she spoke, he texted Vanessa. Yo, you want to hang out again? I don't know if I can, lol. I'm like exhausted, dude. I ended up at Theo's condo last night for like ever. Dude, he's like obsessed with this chick. Who, who's Theo? Theo? Yeah, lol, my boss. Igor felt rotten. His mother made him coffee and he drank it in silence as she cleaned something in the kitchen. On the way home, he went by the parking lot to see if Vanessa was working. He thought maybe that she was lying about Theo and maybe she was just there ashamed of who she was. trying to cover up her pathetic life with the stories of grandeur, but she wasn't. There was a man there. He was overweight and staring at his cell phone. Igor texted Alex to see when the next draw would be. Alex called him right away. Yo, man. Yo. What's the shit about a gas tank? What? Gas tank is all fucked up, man. I don't know, man. Bro. You know those dildos that stick to the wall? No. It's a fucking neon purple silicon hard-on that sticks to the fucking wall. Okay, I'm going to melt your body in fucking acid and turn you into one of those fucking things, man. And then you know what? What? I'm going to sell your fucking dildo ass to some gay porn star, man. I didn't fuck with the gas tank, yo. Dog, let me tell you something. Okay, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you once, and if you tell anyone else, you'll see if I'm kidding about that dildo shit, man. Yeah, I'm a fucking gay ass bitch, dude. Call me bisexual, but I don't even believe in that shit. If if you want to judge me for taking it up the ass, fine. I don't give two fucks, dude. But you know what? I used to like you, dude, until you fucked up the truck, you fucking idiot. But I realized something. After I got my ass reamed... <laughs> After I got my ass reamed out last night, I realized I only liked you because I hated myself for being a fudge packer. So fuck you. Fuck you, Igor. He hung up. When Igor got home, he realized that he forgot the leftovers that his mother packed for him. He looked in his fridge and saw nothing but rotten meat from weeks ago and condiments. He met Vanessa, and despite how big he made her in his head, he didn't know what to say to her. She was exhausted from being at Theo's. He was too intimidated to ask her to come over, so they walked aimlessly around Chinatown. He bought a discounted green juice and then felt ashamed that Vanessa would think he was cheap. He went to the electronics store and bought an $1,000 TV with his credit card. Vanessa didn't seem to care about it. The whole time, she just kept talking about Theo. They stood outside of the electronics store. Igor held the giant TV box. I don't give a fuck about Theo, okay? Like, enough. She was taken aback by that. Hey, do you want to go back to your place? She, she sat on his bed and didn't take her backpack off. He knew how unhandsome he was. And seeing her in his apartment made him feel foolish. She told him to sit with her. He was frightened to touch her. She leaned onto him and told him that she liked talking to him. And that she didn't want them to stop messaging each other. He didn't respond. She cuddled with him and he felt like he was stoned. They watched videos together, but the new TV was still in the box. She went on her phone. When she left, he tried to give her money. She became angry and ashamed and embarrassed for him. 
He told her to take it for a taxi, and she said that she preferred taking the bus. She didn't want him to go with her. He sat near the window doing nothing. He saw the prostitute under the pizza sign. She sat on the sidewalk, crossed her legs, and stared blankly at the road. He imagined her coming into his apartment. He imagined her following him back and holding the door open for her and leading her up the stairs. He imagined her taking off her clothes and standing near the window. He imagined her taking off his pants and blowing him. He imagined himself finishing and paying her. He imagined her putting her clothes back on and leaving and walking back across the street and standing beneath the pizza sign again. He was impressed by the prostitute that she didn't look up, up to him, look up at him. He imagined how it would feel to her if she knew what he was thinking. He tried to convince himself that he was in love with her, but he continued to think of Vanessa. He thought of himself and how he didn't always have the choice of being alone. That had made him strong. Vanessa had the luxury of choosing and he felt that her flaw was in not understanding that. He had to learn to manage himself alone. That allowed him to become strong. So much so that his suffering felt hedonistic. He set up the new TV and saw that it did absolutely jack shit to make his life any better. In fact, now it just showed in more detail how shitty the videos he watched were. He tried to sleep and lay in odd positions for what seemed like hours. Eventually he took the TV, he put, eventually he put the TV back into the box. He walked it back, he walked it back to the electronics store. He tried to return it, but they wouldn't take it back. He felt sick that he had wasted so much money that he didn't even have. He stopped at the supermarket. He took a pre-made wrap from the refrigerator. He ate it in, in the aisle and ignored the people around him. An employee stood beside him. He didn't try to hide what he was doing, and the employee did not try to stop him. He dropped the final bite on the ground and grabbed a second wrap and ate it as he left the supermarket. He sat on a round concrete table outside of the supermarket. He felt his slots slow down. He felt the acids move in his stomach. An insect landed on his neck, and he swatted it off. A message came from Vanessa. Hey, can I come over? Yeah. When she arrived, he saw that she looked upset and desperate. He saw a pain in her that he wasn't able to see before. Ordinarily, she repressed it, but through him, she was able to experience it, and that brought her a kind of perverse comfort. His behavior was so abysmal, it was unparalleled by anyone else that she knew, and that is why she targeted him as the object of her affection. He saw the way she obsessed over everyone but herself, and it was merely a way of avoiding her own pain. He could see how little of herself that she knew. Perhaps she did not have the opportunity to develop this side of her personality. It reminded him of the way she spoke about her father, about how she loved him so and took care of him since she was very young. He knew that she didn't know her mother, but he did not know if she, she was dead or abandoned her. But he assumed that somehow if it had everything to do with why she was at his apartment now. He imagined as well that it had everything to do with Theo. By spreading her attention to multiple multiple people, diversifying her assets so she could never be abandoned again. It would cause her to, to become who they needed her to be. Being herself was completely futile. That was who her mother left, and it was a weak little girl who could not take care of her father. She learned the ability to control him in order to get what she needed, and this skill set was who she was now. 
control was survival. Igor smiled briefly, becoming lost in the thought of it all. Perhaps what he recognized in her when he saw her wasn't so far-fetched after all. They mirrored one another's agony, and perhaps he had mistaken it for a romantic connection, or perhaps they were not so different. He sat near the window cell, his mouth agape, staring at her. She asked if he was okay, and he said that he was. Hey, so like, there's like a thing you might be interested in that I wanted to ask you about. Okay. Well, like, Theo's basically looking for some people to help with the restaurant. He bought out a place, and like, would you be into that at all? Igor didn't say anything. He transferred me a bunch of money so I could hire people, and like, you'll just go through me, so I mean, if you want, but like, he still didn't say anything. I know we haven't known each other that long, but like, I feel like I have known you for a long time, and and I like you a lot, and I don't want to lose you. I, uh, well, I like you too. And like, I just want you to know that me taking money from Theo is just for work. Like, he's my boss, but with you, I just feel something different. Yeah, I can't work in a restaurant. It's like, I'm fucked at restaurants. No, this is different. It's like, there's a farm, sort of, and... Like, all the meat from the restaurant needs to be sustainable. And here, you know what I mean? And from here, you know what I mean? That's, like, the style we're going for. And we need someone to bring the animals in. And, like, you know, you know how to drive a truck, right? Yeah. And can you, like, get one? She came closer to him. She knelt down and took off his pants. She looked at him and waited for an answer. He nodded. She put her head on his chest and looked up at him. You can? Yeah. She moved her head towards him and he moved his to hers. She smiled and slowly moved away from him. She went back on her phone. She adjusted, he adjusted himself in his pants. She answered some messages and walked to the door. I'll text you, Kay. Okay. After she left, he looked at his phone and saw that she already e-transferred him $1,000. He looked at the TV and at the window towards the pizza restaurant. The prostitute sat on the curb. She looked, she looked up at him and waved. And that's the end of part one of the Blue Nile. Um, you can see more and more how at the end of the story it uh loses more mistakes and kind of odd things here and there but um such is the nature of um reading these drafts um and just giving it a shot so that's episode 16 of the earwig review um i hope you enjoyed it and um and thank you for being here next week and the week after be a two-part series of herman's jail and i hope you'll take a listen to that as well um, take care in the meantime and visit the website um for for more www.joshualelbarski.com J-O-S-H-U-A 
H-I-L-L-E-L-B-A-R-S-K-Y.com. Thank you again.